Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Hello, it's Adrian here from Arcade Attack, and we're back with a bumper edition. We might even make, split this into two, actually. I think we will, because it's a mega bumper edition. We are looking at comic books and video games. But let me introduce the people here. We've got Dilsey in the house. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we've got Keith. Good evening. And we've got Rob. Excelsior. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to do that. I was going to do that, but then I didn't. Well done, Rob. So just the four of us today, the usual people, nothing special. Or is there? Have we got a special guest today? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Where's this weird? Yes, we've got Chris McCauley, another Arcade Attack member, finally made it on the podcast. It's, it's been too long, mate, and you're here. I, I am here. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, all, the way from, all the way from Canada. That's what I was going to yeah. say. He's not with us here. He is in Canada, but he's on the, the chat. Well, yeah. technically, these days, none of us are here with each other. That's true. We're, we're all in an ethereal plane. No. We're, Sorry. We're in, the, we're in the phantom zone <laughs> together. That's what it is. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay, mate. Yeah, it's very warm in Canada today, so um, our summer's really starting to kick off. Uh, but 20, I think 25, 26 degrees, my wife said. Um, so I've got all the windows open in the house. And... Um, yeah, life's good. Yeah. We're, we're quite lucky to have Chris on this pod, actually, because the topic we're going to cover today and next week is something he knows very well. Uh, comic books, something that me and Dylan know nothing about, but I think I'm going to host this bad boy today because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but Rob and Keith are also huge comic book fans, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rob more so than me, but yeah. Yeah. I've got a question for Dylan, Rob and Keith. What were you doing on the 29th of October at 12 past 10 in the evening? What day of the week was that? Uh, I think a Friday last year. I would have been sleeping, mate. You know me, I try and get an early night. Don't know I'm going to take a doing. while, I guess, and stay at the pub. Oh, the pub. What's the pub again? <laughs> what is a pub? Yeah. <laughs> what is a bar? Recording it's, kind of like dr- it's kind of like when you get drunk at home, but there are lots of other people there. And you have to stop drinking at 11. <laughs> they look at you and judge you. Okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, what? 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 Where, where are you going with well, this? What were we doing? Well, I, I don't know what you were doing, but I was talking to a new friend called Chris oh. because rewind a few minutes, maybe maybe fifteen minutes before. But I was kind of going on a few Facebook sites and posting our late, uh, one of our latest interviews. for people might like this, and then all of a sudden, uh, someone called Chris liked one of my posts. Oh, that's good. We've got a like. That might equal a read. And Dylan likes hits on the website, don't you, mate? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're thinking subconsciously, yes, we might have an extra hit here. Someone else is going to check our website. And then this, this Chris fella said, oh, do you want to be a Facebook friend? I'm like, okay, we'll be Facebook friends. And, <laughs> and before you knew it, about t- 20 minutes later, probably I'd say about 20 past 10 that evening, me and Chris were on the, on the old dog and bone, weren't we, Chris? We were, mate. Yeah, you see, be, beware, people who are listening. If you come and you hunt me down on Facebook, I may friend you. Exactly. <laughs> I may not call you, but I may friend you. 
Uh, Chris, I really like you, mate. But I have to say, I was a bit scared. I was like, who is this guy? He's like to like my 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 interview. Why is he's, he phoning? <laughs> he's added me as a friend. He sent me about two or three messages, and he gives me a call. I'm like, this is like half ten at night. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, was I in Canada at the time? I probably was. Um, I yeah. think it was either between Canada or the UK. But I, I think no, I think it was in Canada. That's probably why I rang you so late. Your time. And, and the first thing you ask is, are, we, are you looking for reviewers for Arcade Attack? And we're like, yeah, we were. We are, actually. We kind of, we're looking for quality over quantity, of course. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that scared me. That scared me yeah. straight away. I went, oh, God, no. I don't want me. But, <laughs> uh, no, I had, yeah, I looked through the website. I was very impressed with it. I mean, I've, I've written for other uh, websites uh, before looking at yours. Um, so, you know, we'll get into that later. But I really liked it. I really liked the content. I liked the layout. So I thought... <laughs> Yeah, I want to work. I want to write for these guys. This looks great. Um, we were like, "Come on!" So that's why we were like, "Come, come!" And Adrian yeah. was like, "Yes, yes." I was like, "This guy sounds interesting." And then, then Chris was like, "Yeah, I'm, I, I work for Marvel. I've done this. I've done that." I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is a real deal. <laughs> Let's get He's Chris involved." Well, yeah. you know, to be fair, you didn't turn up in a white van offering me sweets, so that was <laughs> that was good. <laughs> there, was there was none of that, like so. Fair that's enough. our other yeah. That's our other way that we get writers. Yeah, Kid- kidnap, <laughs> kidnap. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but you've done some good reviews for us for our site, and you've done some exclusive artwork, um, some very impressive. I mean, that altered beast work. I think that was one that I think the first thing you did for us was absolutely stunning. Mm. Um, and we, you know, we knew we were onto a winner here. So I, I haven't known you long, Chris, but you know, I class you as a friend, and you, uh, you know, an arcade attack co colleague. You know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and obviously, you know, you've got a background in comics and video games, so this is the perfect opportunity to learn a bit more about you. So, Chris, are you ready for a few crazy questions? Yeah, go on then. Go on then. Um, <laughs> were you always interested in art and gaming when you were growing up? Uh, I was also interested in gaming. Uh, artwork, um, when I was a kid, I used to try and like draw Spider-Man and actually Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or Hero Turtles, as we called them uh-huh. back in the UK. Um, but used to do a lot of that. Um, but that fell away. Um, but the gaming always stayed. I was always a big gamer. Uh, first computer system I ever owned was an Amstrad CPC 464 Plus with the nice. beautiful uh, cartridge um, add on that was that was in the side. Burning Rubber, I think, was the first cartridge oh, I had yeah, for it. I remember those. And it was a beautiful machine. It was great. It just made the world of programming. Uh, it had a fairly hefty manual. Um, and uh, yeah, I used to read magazines like Amstrad Action and stuff like that. I'm actually very privileged to to know one of the former editors of Amstrad Action, Rod Lawton. Mm. He uh, he he still works for Future publica- uh, Publications. I think he's he's involved with uh, digital photography now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was growing up. Uh, it was the Amstrad, and then I, I moved from the Amstrad to the Game Gear and mm. the Game Boy, mm. and then. Uh, a Nintendo, uh, uh, an NES, um, and then a Mega Drive, then a PlayStation. So, I've, you know, I've, I've always sort of kept up with gaming. Uh, I've loved it. The comic stuff, what well, was really happened in the last two years? Mm. Um, I'm relatively new to the comic book colouring and things like that, so it's about a year ago. And you, you're brought up in Northern Ireland, that's right, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. Yes, that's why I've got this fabulous accent. It's beautiful, uh, mate. From, we love it. Because <laughs> you're right, you were saying earlier you got into comics quite late. And I've, Is it true yeah. you, you worked in the army before or a policeman? Is that I right? was, I, yeah, I, I actually, 
Uh, I trained to be a priest when I was younger. Mm. Um, that, that was the kind of career path I was going down. You know, the, it's always said in Irish families, the idiot son always trains to be a priest. And <laughs> the other goes and becomes a doctor of some kind, you know. So that didn't work out. Um, I found out I liked women too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the church, they uh, somebody walked in on me. Uh, so I get kicked out. Uh, and then... Um, and then uh, <laughs> And then my father, who had done uh, 35 years in the military, basically said, you have to get a job, uh, slapped down an application form, and away I went and joined the Royal Irish Regiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a couple of years in that. So active service, and then went from that into the police force. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it was an interesting life. You know, it was, I was in my 20s. Um, very formative. Uh, learned a lot of stuff. Um, most of it very positive. And then went from that to going into IT. So I was an IT guy, studied programming, uh, became an IT project manager. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up getting very sick, got married, met, met this lovely Canadian girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she came and lived in Canada, or Ireland with me for um, 60 to 18 months. Then we got married mm-hmm. in Canada. 36 hours to get married and go home. Yeah, the plan was that we were we were going to live in Canada, so she got a job here and sort of set up shop. Two weeks after I get married, I was diagnosed with colon cancer, uh, which yeah. was nasty. So I had to quit my job, and then my wife said, oh, just come over and we'll look after you. Uh, and that's why I had a couple of operations and then come over. And um, yeah, I had to get a new career. Um, we were living with her aunt and uncle, who very kindly took me in and uh, I was there two weeks uh, to be honest I was going out of my head because there wasn't a whole lot I could do you know you're just watching Canadian TV and it is terrible oh, oh yeah. you thought British daytime TV was bad you haven't <laughs> seen Canadian TV <laughs> so um, the, the time that I'd sort of watched a bit of Days of Our Lives or some crap <laughs> like that um, I looked at her uncle and I said you know what my mum's time we're going to be moved out of here into our own place and they said, Chris, you're really sick. You, you know, doctors say that you might not work again. Mm. Um, mm. How's that going to happen? And I said, well, so I rang around uh, video game companies uh, and offered my services for free uh, and got into uh, Utomic and did mm. QA for Utomic. Still do QA for, I'm a senior support guy and QA guy for Utomic now. Nice. And they offered me a job after doing a, a bit of work for them and they were happy and uh, we moved out, we got into our, our new place, and um, yeah, that's kind of how I changed careers from being, uh, uh, you know, from being somebody who was in the military to uh, going into video games. Good. I know, but I, I, it's a tough I've got route, to ask, isn't it? It's a, it's, yeah, it's it's a, a tough, tough route, mate, but, you know, obviously we, we're sort of glad you've, you've ended up here with us, so, you know. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I mean, it, it's a... You know, um, when when you're sort of told that uh, your life expectancy is not great, mm. but it, it can it can hit you hard. But that was good in a way because it, it, I said to myself, "What do I want to do?" Um, and a lot of people just coast through life doing stuff that they don't like doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, <and laughs> they, they do, they do, and it's hard because once you've got a family and once you've financial commitments and stuff. Mm. And at the end of the day, I was I was very much freed from all that because I left Northern Ireland. I had nothing. You know, I, I, I sold most of my possessions or gave them away. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't have a bank account in Canada. I, I literally had nothing. You know, mm. I just had my wife, wife's family. And uh, so I could really effectively start again. 
uh, it was almost like a rebirthing process, you know. So you don't think you'd be here like doing comics and video games now if you didn't get ill? Is that that's quite? A... I think so. I think mm. I think it was it was a major catalyst. I think yeah. it, it, you know it made me think about where I was um, and life and where my uh, there was an old teacher that I used to gravitate towards. I never met him. This guy called Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell was a master mythologist, and he was the guy that George Lucas um, used for Star Wars. Oh. Uh, he, he created the hero's journey in Star Wars. And he said one thing. He said, what you should always do in life is follow your bliss. Basically, follow your joy. Follow the things that you love doing. Uh, for me, that was video games. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I wanted into the industry. And um, it makes me very happy. I get up out of bed. I, I do my work. I work at Atomic. I love it. And, uh, you know, I make. Uh, I work for a couple of video game companies now and help them make games. Um and, and Unreal Engine and on, on Unity and stuff. And then I do me one little tech demos as well. Mm. I love doing all that. It's mm. great fun. Um, you know, so. I have you know, huge respect. Um, I mean, just getting into one of those industries, comic books or video games is, I would imagine, very difficult. I know the video game one is, I'm sure comics are similar, mm. but you kind of got your fingers in both pies and not being particularly well. I think, you know, I'm not trying to give you a big head on, I think, Chris, but you're, you're inspiration really, I think. So good on you. Oh, that's very kind of you. I mean, if if you, if anybody takes anything away from what we talk about here, it's if you're not happy, reassess. Don't be scared to reassess your life no. and make changes for the better. You don't have to get cancer. You don't have to get seriously ill to do this. But mm. um, if you're not happy, change mm. change your life. You know, and mm. um, only you can do that. Mm. And if you have loved ones that are supportive, you know, sit down with them and say, "I, I really don't like what I'm doing, and I've got an idea." And I'd like to go and do something else. Um, I actually had a chat last year with another member of Arcade Attack, Retro Faith. And uh, I interviewed her uh, because I wanted to spotlight her. She she was into collecting Sega stuff and and you're through another Facebook group. And I said to her, you know, she said, I'd love to do what you're doing. I said, well, why don't you? (laughs) Yeah. And that's now kick-started this almighty... Mightily massive YouTube presence, and you know, yeah, she's really getting into it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, there you go. It's 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 all about assessing your life and 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 changing it for the better. You know, absolutely. Good on you, mate. Right, comics. Talk to me, Chris. How did you first think? Was there like a eureka moment? Or was it was something brewing in the back of your mind? Obviously, you really, know. it was a really weird thing, Adrian. Uh, my brother-in-law gave me. A box, a tatty box of old 2080 comics that he had had since the 70s that he wanted rid of. And some of these things didn't have covers or whatever. And he said, Look, do you want to read these? And I thought, well, yeah, why not? Uh, I wasn't a massive comic book person growing up. Um, I had, like, uh, I would have got the odd issue of Transformers or Turtles or Thundercats, uh, maybe some Eagles. But I had never really gone into comics that much. Uh, I did collect 2008 when the Still One film came out. I think I was in primary school at the time. Um, and because it was a big Still One film, and back mm-hmm. in those days, you know, if, if there was anything that had Still One in it or Schwarzenegger in it, you know, I wanted to see it, you know. So I collected the, those kind of comics. But yeah, I got these, these academy downs and read through them and really liked them and then started re- reviewing them on a 2008 um, Facebook group. And uh, 
Some people liked him. Uh, I get woke up in the middle of the night uh, by the uh, guy who ran the group and said, Chris, do you know who's just liked one of your posts? And they're like, no, Pat Mills. Uh, well, that, that's nice. Good for good for him. I don't know who Pat Mills was. <laughs> yeah, me and Dylan like so, so yeah, so little did I know that this this is the godfather of British comics, really. Oh. You know, this is this is the guy that kickstarted the well, himself, John Wacker, and um, they Ross? sort of they they, no. they they sort of kickstarted the uh, the comic book revolution in in, uh, in the UK. So. Um, he said, started sending me messages. And I was like, great, okay. He said, like, do you want to do a Skype? Do you want to do a Skype? Hey, yeah, why not? You know, so I did a Skype. Pat appears. We're chatting away. And uh, we chatted for two hours in our first Skype session. And then he, he says to me, oh, well, you know, um, I've got this biography I'm writing. It's called, the working title was The Secret History of 2000 AD. And we'd like you to be a proofreader for it. And it's all about how 2008 came to be, and you know it's going to be. Uh, I'm trying to watch that I don't swear because Pat does a lot of swearing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's you know <laughs> it's going to you know f and shake up the comic book world, you know. So yeah, that's okay. So I got the chapters. Uh, Pat's wife Lisa sent me the chapters. I read through them and started giving notes. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, it's not really hitting me the enormity of of this friendship with Pat and really what this, this means because I, you know, I wasn't a comic book guy. Um, but I started getting quite famous or infamous quite quickly through, uh, th- through this contact. Um, so I helped with that and then uh, Pat would give me bits and pieces to look at, uh, slaying stuff, which I would then review, um, martial law um, and Requiem Vampire Nights. So those were, those were the three titles I started looking at with him. Um, and I started to Really look at his work critically. Um, Pat's a very political person, and mm. a lot of a lot of his work, you'll see his politics bleed out, especially Third World War, mm. uh, which which is very interesting. It's just got reprinted by Rebellion. I have a beautiful Rebellion, something this beautiful hardback copy of it, it's fantastic. Nice. Um, and yeah, so really interesting. Uh, and then he said to me. Uh, Right, Chris, it's time you started writing for, for magazines. So <laughs> I started writing for Comic Scene, which is a printed magazine in the UK. It's very popular. Mm. Um, and then I started writing for various like, web mags like World of, World of Nerds and uh, Geek Syndicate and Outright Geekery. And um, I did a few articles for Starburst, things like that. Uh, and, I, and I kind of snowballed a bit. Um, and I, I started interviewing people like Alan Murr. And Alan Murr was an interesting one to interview. Uh, Alan has no uh, computers in his house. He just he lives in this wow. house that he kind of grew up in. Um, he's got no real electronics. I'm not sure if he's a phone or not. Our conversation took place in the in his local library, huh. pretty much. <laughs> uh, uh, so we had we had an interview. He, he said to me, uh, "I don't often talk about Watchmen or any of that stuff." <laughs> um, and I said to him, "Oh, I just I read Watchmen last night," and he said, oh, "Right, so <laughs> you read you read it again?" I went, "No, for the first time," <laughs> and he, that, that stopped him a bit. <laughs> like, what? And I said, "Oh, I really liked it. I thought it was really good." And then we we ended up having a conversation about Watchmen and other things. And uh, Maxwell Mas- Maxwell Cat, 
which was one of his early ones. Um, I actually wrote an article in Comic Scene about that. And then Grant Morrison, I, I did a piece on Grant Morrison. He's a really interesting character. He, he's a very es- esoteric and mystic, mystic guy. We talked about he had a, an experience with aliens. So uh, what prompted him to write All-Star Superman is that he had an experience with aliens. Uh I, I, not, I, I can't confirm or deny if there was any substances involved, but he, uh, he was, he was, uh, he, he was uh, in a location in Mexico. I can't quite remember where it was, but it was a location where uh, if, if you walk up the steps in this sort of temple all in one breath, um, you're supposed to receive a vision from God. So he, he tried it, apparently. <laughs> um, but it did push him to, to create um, All-Star Superman. And if you've read that, you'll sort of see where, where that comes from at the end. Uh, very interesting writer, interesting guy. Um, he wrote Zenith for 2000 Um And then I get introduced to Neil Gaiman, and I did a bit of work with Neil. I was a research writer for him. Um, I only interview questions with Neil was, how many gods do you believe? Uh, do, you, do you think I believe in Neil? Or Chris? And I said, uh, Neil, as many as you can fit into your head. Apparently I passed <laughs> the, the interview question for, for that. Nice. Uh, so that, that all sort of happened. Um, my wife was kind of blissfully ignorant of all the stuff that was going on. She just thought, well, Chris is happy. There's a little bit of money coming in. Mm. Um, we've got our own place. Uh, you know, it's fine. We then went to, we got invited to Edmonton Comic Con, which is the first Comic Con I've ever been to. Oh. I was never really interested in any of that sort of stuff. Um, so it was a, it was a new experience. So I arrived. Uh, my brother-in-law is a massive comic book fan. Um, he he uh, has act- the the actual Thor, Thor's hammer from the movie uh, on his shelf. Huh? Nice. Oh, really? <laughs> oh yeah, it's in a Have you touched case. it? Have you held it? Oh no, I'm not allowed near it. Not even <laughs> I. Not allowed near it. Um, but you know, um, he, he's got so much stuff, signed stuff. You know, uh, so it's like a, when you walk into his house, it's almost like a museum. Um, and he was, he had a table there. He, he, he does some crafting work. Um, so he does like, uh, comic book clocks and things like that. So we arrived. Um, and my wife's a big Star Trek fan. I had never really watched it. My wife sort of, I'm painting a really bad picture of myself as a geek here, but, uh, my wife kind <laughs> of became a geek, to, mate. You know, this I, is, yeah, this it's these, these things happen. Yeah. These things happen. It was a great, like many, many things that are unhealthy for you. It became a progressive addiction. Um, <laughs> but my, my wife, um, she was a big Star Trek fan. So I watched little, little bits and pieces and I was doing an interview with Brent Spiner and, um, yes. we, we walked up to him. Uh, my wife has a, had a little Star Trek coin for him to sign for her father's birthday. And he very graciously signed the coin and actually looked at it, called an assistant over and asked my wife where she got it and told the assistant to go down to the shop in Edmonton to uh, buy one for himself. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> and he kept looking at me and, you know, he, you know, where are you from? Northern Ireland. And he, he did this really bad impression of a Northern Irish accent. Oh, I said, did he? <laughs> right. I, I said, can I stop you there, mate? With uh, acting skills like that, uh, it's no wonder you haven't been on TV for 10 years. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> so he, he started laughing and looked at me, put, he, you know, stopped everything he was doing. He said, I know you from somewhere. He said, I guarantee you I know you from somewhere. And I said, no, you can't know me from anywhere, you know, where have you known me from? <laughs> so he, he started asking me bits and pieces about what I did. And, and I, he slammed his fist on the table and he said, you're Dr. Chris, aren't you? <laughs> 
Dr. Chris. You're Dr. Chris. You you wrote that that article on uh, Grant Morrison, didn't you? My <laughs> yeah, my wife's jaws just open. He <laughs> says, "Can I get a said, can I get a photograph with you?" <laughs> that is mad. And I was like, "Don't you right? know who you were? That's pretty mad." Yeah, it? it was honest. a very strange experience. And I said, "Yeah, okay. Can we get a copy?" And I said, "That's fine." Like you know, I said, "Great. This is this is free, right? I don't have to pay you." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fine. He said, "It's fine." He said, I, "I really enjoy your writing, man. I really enjoy it." So, okay. So, um, got a photograph with him. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, he was he was very happy and stuff. Brent Spiner doesn't check hands, by the way. He just fist bumps. I like that. It actually is pro- probably better these days that mm. that we <laughs> do that. So. But I ended up having a, a, a sort of a friendship. I've got a friendship with him. Um, and I'll get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah, we've sort of uh, I've done wee bits and pieces for him. Um, and then uh, and then sort of on the back of that. Uh, I met Claudia Christian. If, if you've ever watched Babylon 5, she was a cast member of Babylon 5. Again, didn't know who the lady was. Um, I'd never seen the show. Uh, and <laughs> See, there's a, there's going to be a lot of this, actually. <laughs> so bear with me. I didn't know who the lady was. Um, she, uh, she liked my writing style. She had a book out called um, Wolf's, Wolf's Empire. And it was really, really good book. She wrote it with Morgan Grant Buchanan, and it's basically what would happen if uh, the Roman Empire had never fallen and gone to the stars. Mm. So she sent me a copy of it. I reviewed it. Um, I started chatting to her about it all. I uh, found out she did a lot of uh, work. She, she created a foundation called C3 Foundation, which helps um, uh, addicts. And she sent me a couple of her books um, that dealt with alcohol addiction, and I mm. read through them, okay. reviewed them. Uh, and that's how I knew her. Uh, then she sent me a copy of her biography uh, called Babylon Confidential. And I realized that she actually had been in films and TV. And then I found out she had been on the A-Team. So the next time I was talking to her, I was like, what was it like being on the A-Team? What was it like? Well, you were in the van and I actually watched the episode again. And I said, you were in the van, you touched the van. What was it like being, like, with BA and, and, and all And she said, Chris, I did that 30 years ago. Can we talk about something more current? Think? Oh, no, 18. What 18 questions? Uh, 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 and I was like, okay, okay. But yeah, you know, that's where I kind of know you from. And she said, you've never watched Babylon 5? And I never watched it. No. I will watch it, though. I promise you, I'll watch it. <laughs> uh, and I'll be, I'm sure I'll be incredibly impressed. You know, I'm sure I'll... So we have this sort of like friend. So she would every time she's got a project, we talk about it. Um, she's really, really lovely lady. Um, she took us to lunch. Um, she she was in Canada uh, last year. Um, my wife think, thinks she's great. Now she was chatting with my wife, um, and yeah, it was, it's yeah, it, it's lovely. It's lovely to have those sort of contacts. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where the writing stuff came from and then the, the video game writing stuff was very was linked to that as well I was doing reviews for, for things and um, I was interviewing Glenn Fabry I was out for a drink with Glenn um, and Glenn's done like Preacher and, uh, you know he's done Slaying for 2000 AD he's a, he's a lovely very frank honest guy and he said to me why don't you try it 
She said, what, can you do? Can you draw anything? Can you do? And I said, not really. He said, well, why don't you try it? He said, well, you, you could maybe learn something. You could do writing. You could do comic book writing. Mm. So um, I started writing for fanzines. Uh, one was a 2008 fanzine called Sector 13. And I wrote a couple of Judge Dredd uh, stories for it. Pat allowed me to write for Finn. So Pat Mills had a character called Finn, which was a bit of a spin-off from Third World War, and he allowed me to write a uh, story with, with Finn for a fanzine, uh, which again was quite a big thing, I gather, because he <laughs> generally doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I did that, uh, and then um, I met John Charles, who's a colorist for 2008, and he inspired me to start doing some comic book coloring. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of money on Udemy, to the point where my wife was not very happy with me. Like, <laughs> They're expensive, worry, I, I, man. Yeah, some I, of those cases on there are like, really well, expensive. You, you can get them on sale for about uh, ten, twelve dollars. You know, okay. so um, I basically studied. Uh, I actually got to know some of my tutors, like uh, Michael K. Russell and um, those kind of guys, and uh, Charlie Charlie Kirkhoff, and they would set me little challenges, and I would do them, and they would point out where I was wrong. And then John said to me, "Do you want to do dread?" I completely out of the blue. Uh, like, February yeah, last, like... February March last year. So like, do you want to do dread? And I went, I go on then. <laughs> go on then. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so he sends me uh, pages for Dread: The Long Game, which is written by Michael Carroll. He's another fantastic, fantastic uh, Irishman. He's written a lot of uh, Judge Dread books. Um, he would actually focus on uh, the judges as people, uh, which is really interesting, and he. he focuses more now on that transition period of what happened with um, the United States and how, how they transitioned into this judicial system. Uh, system. Really, really good um, books. If you want to read one, uh, listeners, uh, I would recommend Golgotha. It's really good. Anyway, he, he wrote this story. I coloured it. John looked at it, corrected it a bit, uh, took me through it and said, okay, that's great. Um, do you want to do Roy the Rovers now? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, so I started doing Roy the Rovers book three. Um, and it became a process, so I did that. I did Sinister Dexter uh, and a few other things. And then John has his own comic called Techno Freak, which is like a cyberpunk uh, cyberpunk comic action. It's really, really good. Uh, it's a book. He's, he had it in his head from about the 80s, and it germinated and germinated, and it just did it. Um, last year so I colored issue two and issue three for him and there's a comic book when I called 77 and I colored the techno freak um, strip in it as well uh, so it then moved to Indies so a lot of Indies came and asked me to color their stuff um, and I did a I did a very special one called the long walk Home, which is a Scottish comic book and I didn't know what I was getting myself in for with this one um, written by uh, a guy called Peter Watson and it was an alternate, it started off life as an alternative sort of Hogmanay poem but the gist of it is it's a guy who's gone to the pub, had too much to drink, goes home needs to piss, or sorry go to the toilet, might have to edit that one goes, go to the, goes to the, goes to the to- needs to go to the toilet, can't find a toilet anywhere and he has all these magical adventures in his head um, <laughs> It's a bit like Jamie and the Magic Torch, in a way. 
for for younger for younger listeners, uh, go on YouTube. It's fantastic. Um, you'll really enjoy Jamie and the Magic Torch, I'm sure. Uh, but it's a bit like that. Um, and thirty Scottish talented Scottish artists worked on it, so it was a different artist for each page. So I coloured the whole thing, and I had to do different styles for different pages. Um, and they were very happy with it, and it was published. And I thought, well, this is great. You know, we've got another little published comic to my name. Mm. Um, it was special because it was so much fun. Um, in the comic book industry, you know, when you're working for uh, big publishers, it's it can be a bit like a factory. It's just get it out, get it out, get it out. Uh, this I was able to take a bit of time with, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and that's why I gravitate a lot more towards the NTC uh, recently. Um, it's very, very imaginative. But yeah, he, he, he then sends me a message and says, guess where I am? And I was like, I didn't really want to guess because it could have been anywhere. <laughs> I said, well, it narrows it down if you're in Amsterdam because then I'll kind of know where you are. <laughs> not casting any aspersions on your character, but kind of know where <laughs> I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm in, I'm in uh, Glasgow Museum of Modern Art. And then he shows me a picture of himself sitting at a table with lots of copies of um, Langwa Kiem. And a banner with my name on it and his name on it and some of the artists' names on it. I go, this is fantastic, you know. Hmm. Uh, I get so excited. Uh, there's a there's a lady called Jessica Martin, who, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you'll know who she is because she was in the greatest show in the galaxy. So now she went off my fandom, my sci-fi fandom. Hmm. Uh, she was the werewolf mags. Uh, she was also a very very talented uh, impressionist. Um, she was in Spitting Image. Uh, and she's recently drawn a Doctor Who comic for, for Titan uh, with her car- reprising her character. But anyway, I was so excited I sent her a message because she's gone on this kind of journey as well, going from performing actress to uh, comic book illustrator and colorist. And I was like, look, 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 my play- look I've come in the, I'm in the Glasgow Museum of Modern Art. Look at this. You know, look at- uh, and it was lovely. And... Um, Apparently, the pages are still up there today. There's pages. I think Good. they're coming down in two years' time, two, three years' time. So mm-hmm. if anybody's near there, go and have a look. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're there somewhere. I've never been. Apparently, they're there somewhere. So that was the, that was the first couple of months of my uh, comic book work. That's quite a lot in a short space of time, isn't it? That's a roller coaster, yeah. that is. Yeah. It's a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Since then, I've kind of worked on nine indie. Well, I've worked on nine indie comics from November to February. Uh, I do a lot of work for One Two Three Go, which is an indie comic uh, book company that does all sorts of, like from J-pop mm-hmm. to uh, cyberpunk to like basically everything, really. Um, and we've recently released Malik, which is a great one. Uh, if you like Doom, you'll like Malik. Mm-hmm. It's about a guy basically. He basically goes to hell and kills everything in hell, and then goes to heaven and has a good go. He'll never from heaven as well. It is it's quite gory. It's not for kids, uh, but I had a lot of fun uh, coloring the the creatures, you know. And that's one of the things about my job. I love for indies. Mostly, I do a lot of character design work. Mm. Uh, coloring is is a form of character design. Uh, and now I do inking as well. So you get the rough pencil pencils and mm. you do the correct things. You do that. So I've done a couple of covers. For that, uh, couldn't one called Trouble, which is a uh, which is a great cyberpunk um, sort of manga style comic that's out from One Two Three Go. I think I've plugged One Two Three Go enough. There you go, Phoebe. <laughs> that's all right. You should be happy. One Two Three Go. <laughs> one, two, there you go. One Two Three Go. 
There you go. Well, Chris, what do you reckon is the biggest comic book you worked on, and your most well, that's sort of the biggest name? Is it is it is it AD? Should have been, could have been Judge Dread probably. Uh, when I go to conventions, I get a lot of Dread fans coming. Um, even in even in Edmonton, the one I did one on BC last year, Vernon, and um, I had Judge Dread fans come, and I didn't even think there were Judge Dread fans in Canada. Because it's very UK UK centric, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I had um, I had some fans appear and wanted me to sign uh, some stuff. Um, maybe dread. Uh, I've done some Spider Man stuff. Um, I've done an incredible Hulk sort of Wolverine mashup called the Hulk Rings. Did that early last year. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe. Along some some things like that, um, you know, I'm working on. A, I'm actually allowed to talk about this now. I'm actually Wait. working on a bat, on a Batman comic. Wow! Uh, wow. With with uh, Disney uh, Imagineer Terry Harden Jackson. Um, you might know her work if if you've ever watched Ghostbusters, the film. She designed the proton packs and did Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And nice. uh, she's, she she has a she has a massive history in. Um, animatronics, puppeteering, uh, set design. Um, she started her career with Jim Henson um, and then moved to Hollywood. Uh, stuff like Men in Black. You know, so many, you know, you can I empty beer. Uh, it's incredible what she does. And then she made a lot of the rides for Disney. She had a lot of the, uh, she had a hand in designing rides for Disney. So I'm um, working with her on a Batman comic. I think it's going to be an, uh, I think it's an official DC release. It wow. started just as an idea. Um, there's a kid from back home who has autism and he, he drew this comic and somebody sent it to me and said, do you think you can maybe make this into a, like a, an official sort of comic? And uh, I talked about it and um, yeah, we're, we're working on that. You know, a few other projects I can't talk about, but mm. uh, that might actually be, that, potentially that might be the, the biggest name that's coming up. Um, mm. Maybe. Chris, I... You know, I don't want to give you, like I said, a big ego, but you're an inspiration because you can show that it's not too late to um, change your direction in life, where you want to go. And, um, yeah, and do you want a quick plug of your website? You know, it's the least we can do because... Yeah, it, it's 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 Talking Comics. Um, so you'll get it. Uh, it's Talking Comics. So if you just Google it, it'll I'll pop stick up. A, yeah, I'll stick um, a URL in the, in the show notes so everyone can have a, a good read. Of your stuff yeah, I do a lot of reviews on there, uh, just different things like um, comic book group video game related mm, stuff. Mm, mm, mm. Um, sometimes very short. Um, you know, uh, I've started a, a website as well. I'll, I'll send you the link to that, that. That's trying to help people do retro coding as well because I'm into sort of retro video. You are. You're very good. Is there any yeah, questions? Game Boy tutorials and stuff. Very good, mate. I don't yeah, know if I'll anyone, if our if our listeners have checked this out, but Chris has started doing mm. some lovely Game Boy tutorials. For the site, so if you want to start coding your own mm. four-bit, four-bit <laughs> monochrome games, we're here. Chris is your man. We're here for you. He's your man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Keith, Rob, or didn't you got any other questions you want to ask Chris while we've got him here? Uh, yeah. Like, <clears throat> since you're kind of um, on the inside of the industry, I was curious. How do you? What do you think the kind of long-term future is going to be? Considering the kind of like decline of the. Uh, direct market like all the uh, kind of comic book stores closing down I think internationally 
I mean, it was happening before, even before uh, COVID-19. Like, do you think it's going to be able to sustain itself as a largely um, digital art form? What's happening to a lot of comic book stores now in, in, in Canada is that they're becoming hybrid stores. Uh, so we have a, a comic book store. It's it's, uh, it's it's Wonderland, Happy Harbor sort of cross. It's got a new game name or something. That's maybe called Wonder under harbor or something like that but it's it's the major one in canada uh and what's happening is it's becoming a hybrid store between comics and tabletop gaming um yeah. you know it's it that's possibly the way you know that these stores are going to survive you know maybe collectibles getting into the collectible mm-hmm. market as well as the comic books uh for comic books purely i think the digital market i mean you can see that the rise of the marvel subscription uh, stuffs where you can pay your, you know, flat fee of twelve dollars over here uh, a month, and you get access to thousands of comics. Um, I think Comicsology is the same sort of thing. Uh, you've got Indiegogo, which for for a lot of indies, uh, they use Indiegogo to uh, sell their work. So what happens is you've got print on demand. So the the title's only printed if somebody wants a printed title, um, and that saves the cost because I can tell you, traditionally. Um, you know, when you're you're printing out a lot of comics and then you're trying to sell what you've printed, that's difficult. Mm. Print on demand yeah. obviously negates that sort of cost. Mm. Um, and I always urge people to try and get the printed uh, the printed version because if you like the artwork, for example, Requiem Vampire Night, it's a it's a artist called Oliver Detroit and his artwork's absolutely stunning. Mm. And you really need the printed version to mm. to get it. To really, to, uh, and there's something nice about having something tactile in your hand. Yeah. Uh, but the digital media is good as well because it's affordable. You know, we we retail Malik at 99 cents digitally. Um, you know, comics are um, comics need to be affordable to keep hitting the you know large uh, a large audience. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a decline in comic book films. I think most comic book films are terrible. Mm. Uh, okay. they've always been quite bad though right mm. dreadful yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely dreadful i think that the comic boom the comic book boom really happened with the advent of the like, x-men in 99 mm. onwards and now we're sort of heading towards a bust uh because some most of the titles are coming out uh cinematically are not the most well might not be the most exciting um and i i i feel that People get they, they they watch the film and then they go to the comic books. So Civil War, for example, for Marvel, they go to the comic book series of Civil War, which is deep, intricate. Uh, there's a lot of issues, there's hundreds of issues, um, and it's getting condensed into a three-hour film. Mm-hmm. And the ending changes, and it's not the same. So then when people go and read the comics, they either feel slightly gypped by the film or slightly gypped <laughs> by the comics. Yeah. Uh, and I always say that you know if you want if you want the best experience of a character go to the source material mm. uh, don't go to the adaptations go to the source material yeah. uh, I, I, for diversity um, you're not going to get uh, much more diverse than the, the source material the, the printed comics Black Panther was fantastic when it hit cinemas because it showed that great diversity in the Marvel universe mm. um, but, you know, we've got Miss Marvel, which I've recently got into, and we have somebody who's of Pakistani origin. Um, she She's an Islamic teenager uh, living in America, 
And it's a bit like the Peter Parker stories were in the 60s, where you have this you know, teenage guy who's, who's Spider-Man, but he's also trying to get a date. He's also trying to pass. <laughs> and we've got that with Miss Marvel. And it, it really opened up. I didn't know a whole lot about the Muslim faith. Mm-hmm. And that just opened up, a, 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 you know, the, the faith, the culture, um, everything. It was fantastic. So I always say to people, go to the source materials, go to the comics, go and see what there is. Mm. Uh, don't just think that you're getting your comic book fix from the films because you're not. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, and I guess like <clears throat> other kind of thing, um, I guess kind of close out this uh, bit of it is obviously you're kind of you work in comics and gaming. Like, do you find that uh, your work in kind of one of those mediums has informed the other? Like, and I guess if so, how? Yeah, uh, visuals would be the easy answer. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of gaming now, uh, the game work that I've, I've done, uh, of comic book visuals, mostly, most of the games I've actually worked on for 2D games. I'm working with, uh, Pixel Fork games at the minute in the studio, and we're doing a sprite based game on Unreal Engine, and it's, it's heavily influenced, uh, it's a Viking game, but it's heavily influenced by, uh, Japanese, um, manga, comics, comic style, um, Gaming to comics, uh, not so much. I suppose also the narrative. A lot of video game narrative is informed by uh, comic books. Um, you know, a lot of the tropes that we get are, are sort of comic books. I mean, I've been I've been playing through Prototype recently, game came out in PlayStation Three, and you can see the comic book influences there. Yeah. Um, you know, even games like Void. Bastards again. I'm trying to swear. Uh, which is um, it's a it's a great game. I don't know if anybody's played it, but it's a roguelike first person shooter game, and all the transitions are done through comic book panels. I mean, we mm. also had was it uh, was it the game thirteen that came out way back? Yeah, I remember so, that game. Yeah, uh, comic book mm. influence there. Max and, Payne as well. Max Payne's got those comic books. Yeah, yeah, yep. beautiful they were as well. I mean, in theory, like those two things should really be able to align quite easily because. Uh, traditional comics are structured in issue by issue, like on an issue by issue basis, and obviously games a lot of the time are level by level basis, or I guess save point to save point. You would think, in terms structurally, those two things would fit together quite well. Yeah, I think so. I think you know movies as well. I'm very lucky to have a mentor called Anrik uh, Bergman, and he's a he's a Hollywood VR director, and he has pointed me towards anime, which is a genre that I've never really. Uh, looked at, and you can see the influences that anime has had on comic books and and video games. Uh, and this, I think you're right. I think the structure of the of video games, com- comic books, uh, go hand in hand. And there's also that sort of shared geekdom as well. Um, you know, most video game geeks know what's going on in the comic book world, and vice versa. Uh, and I think that's why a lot of companies now that you know, we've got um, a lot of comic books based on video games. You know, with uh, Bloodborne is a comic book series now, or even the back in the day, Tomb Raider was a Top Cow comics had the Tomb Raider comic books, and we had the Mortal Kombat comic books and the Street Fighter comic books. Mm. There was there was always that sort of acknowledgement cross pollination of fandom. Chris, mate, that was an excellent. I really enjoyed that interview. I thought some brilliant answers, and you know, you've had a really interesting career. And thank you for being part of Arcade Attack. Well, look, that sets us up, up nicely. Speak properly, please, Adrian. For next week, where we're going to go a bit more about our views on how comics sort of evolved over time 
evolved into video games, our personal opinions and our favorite coin book video games, and a few more crazy curveballs thrown in for good measure. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top tens, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.